What was it like to found and lead a waste-to-value company in the middle of the pandemic? I will speak with Janice Tran, CEO and co-founder of Canon Energy, about this. Why only 13% of venture capital goes to startups with women on the founding team, and how Janice applied her experience from Generate at Canon. Janice also speaks about the advice she has for those looking to break into clean tech. Thanks for tuning into the green light. Now let's dive in. I'm Catherine McLean, founder and CEO of Dylan Green, and today I have with me Janice Tran. Janice is the CEO and founder of Canon Energy. Thanks for joining us, Janice. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I believe, I think you might be our first guest that's being recorded in Canada. Are you in Canada? Yeah, yeah, I am. Our office is based in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So happy to be your first uh, northern guest. (laughs) No, first northern guest. We're really expanding our horizons here. (laughs) So you have a very impressive background, ranging from Wall Street to Silicon Valley. I also noticed that you were recently featured by Forbes, as well as Foresight Clean Tech Accelerator Center. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, happy to. So my name is Janice Tran. I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders for Canon Energy. What our company does is we develop projects that churn waste heat, which is normally a byproduct of the industrial process, and we convert it into baseload emission-free electricity. And so like one of the key differentiators of our business is that we provide the capital for these projects. So uh, financing and project economics is a big part of that business. So I handle everything related to the money and the numbers. And my background is in finance. It's a director at a fund called Generate Capital, which funded projects not too dissimilar to what we're currently building right now. And a couple of years ago, I decided to make the jump to the other side of the fence and create a development company that I always wanted to fund. Great. Thank you for that. Canon Energy has had an incredible two years. After founding Canon during the pandemic in 2020, you've successfully closed two funding rounds, restructured and expanded your team. You've also been accepted into a number of cohorts and incubation programs, such as Third Derivatives Cohort and the Plug and Play Energy Program. In a nutshell, can you tell us a little bit more about what Canon Energy does? Yeah, I'm happy to. So a, a lot of people don't actually know this but about half of the energy that goes into an industrial process is usually just wasted. And mm-hmm. when you look at heavy industry, like particularly like mm-hmm. cement and steel, this is especially the case because they have a lot of energy and heat intensive processes. So if you look at steel, for example, mm-hmm. it requires temperatures somewhere north of 1400 degrees Fahrenheit. So there's a lot of heat that's a byproduct of that process and it's just vented into the atmosphere and, just like, and, and wasted. So what we want to do is we, take that waste heat and we can turn it into clean electricity. Very similar to say geothermal where they're mining the ground for that heat. Well, in this case, we're just tapping into the heat that's currently wasted. And we can sell that electricity that's being produced. We can sell it back to the site itself. And this will help to decarbonize their operations by reducing their consumption uh, from the grid, which can be you know pretty coal or gas intensive. And it also increases energy resiliency. We're seeing like a lot of blackouts lately because of just the instability of the grid. And so this helps to increase that self-reliance. And I think finally, you know, it comes to the bottom line. So a lot of the companies, they'll end up saving money or uh, hedging, like increasing electricity costs by self-generating that power. 
Um, and then we can also take that electricity and sell it to the grid too and, and help to, to lower the carbon emissions of, of the grid. It's a win-win for everyone. It, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, one of the things too is that we also provide the capital. So a lot of these companies, they will say that it's too expensive for them to do these projects. And so mm -hmm. when we come in and align capital, that's not their balance sheet capital, which is usually really expensive. They require like 18 month paybacks or less. And our capital is much more patient and aligned. And so when we do that matchmaking, it usually unlocks a lot of potential projects. So yeah, it's a, it's a combination of, you know, the development skill set and the capital that makes us different. That's great. Thank you for that. I want to get a little bit more of an understanding of what it was like for you to transition from working for Generate to founding Canon, especially during the pandemic. It must have been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we created our company in 2020. So just like right when the pandemic hit. And I think, you know, we have an office that the whole team has yet to actually be in together at once. So hopefully, you know, one wow. day we'll, we'll be able to be there. But the transition from, from Generate has been actually pretty smooth. Uh, you know, I was at the company for, for over five years and mm -hmm. I was a very early employee at the company. <laughs> and so the founders are just incredible people. A lot of the people mm -hmm. there are like close friends and, you know, I consider them like family. I was, I was super lucky to be part of you know, proving out that thesis that you don't need to compromise returns for impact. Yep. And another heart of their thesis was that there are a lot of technologies out there that need a different style of capital. So not you know the tr traditional VC capital, but uh, project capital to, to help these technologies reach commercial adoption. And I think maybe you know coming from that mindset where both of these kind of key pieces of knowledge were entrenched, it's mm -hmm. a very natural transition for me to jump onto the other side and be a developer as well. When I was at Generate, I, I built the, the waste value portfolio at the fund. And so what we're doing right now is taking a waste product and making something valuable with it. When I was at Generate, we were looking at things like cow poop and you know, <laughs> compost. <laughs> it's things yeah. that are very overlooked by, by the sector, but actually are pretty lucrative and have um, pretty good returns. So seeing how we were able to dig into something that's been overlooked and, and build that into a very large portfolio and, and functioning like business helped give me the confidence to say, hey, I see this like same thing. Let's jump onto the other side and um, see if we can do it again, but in a kind of similar but different space. Who was your co-founder? So it's three co-founders. I'm one of three. Um, my two co-founders, Dan Fippi, I've actually known Dan for like 14 years. We went to undergraduate university together. And he's actually the one that brought me back to Calgary from Silicon Valley and said, and, and pitched this idea. So he runs all the electricity markets. He comes from an ISO. So he really understands electricity markets, environmental markets. And then he worked with our CTO, Jake Bainbridge. And Jake's like the technical wizard. He you know, has designed an engine. He's worked for engineering uh, firms building like billion dollar projects. And so he brings mm -hmm. kind of the technology and execution piece of the business. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just, I'm super happy and lucky to have two founders that have complementary skill sets that fit important aspects of the business right at the top. Perfect. So let's talk about women in VC access, which is one of my favorite topics. In the U.S., women make up approximately 11% of investing partners at VC firms. 
and only around 13% of venture capital dollars go to startups with a woman on the founding team. Why do you think this is and how do you think we can overcome this? It's funny when you're a female co-founder, you gravitate to other female co-founders. I've been really lucky yep. to meet other totally kick-ass women that are doing <laughs> phenomenal things at the leadership level. So I struggle with the same question because I look around and I'm like, well, why aren't there more female leaders? This doesn't make sense. I think a lot of this has to do with just the way women and men are brought up. Men tend to actively seek out leadership positions where I think, you know, women, and I can speak from myself as an example, we just do whatever it takes to get the job done and are less kind of kind of maybe egotistical about it. So I think when you take this mindset of, okay, well, I'll just do whatever it takes to get it done, you're not necessarily vying for that leadership position if your male counterpart is intentionally doing that. And so I think what women have to do is, A, just have the confidence and understand that this is actually happening, that we are built differently and we think differently, but that we are, women make fantastic leaders. We're, because we're built differently, we clue into negotiations differently, how to manage Mm -hmm. a team differently. I find that the women founders that I know, and I think there's studies that show this, but women are a lot more disciplined in their leadership and how they grow a business. And so that all has very unique and powerful qualities to help a company get to their end state. And so if you're the right person for the job, you have to step up and take that. I also think that balancing motherhood with a startup is also pretty challenging as well. Correct. (laughs) Yep. Maybe you're speaking from experience, but yeah. (laughs) It's, I think, a lot of women, and and you see a lot of these studies, like women kind of elect themselves out. And so it, it will take more creativity than our male counterparts to think, but how do you do things like breastfeed and have childcare while you're closing a deal? Can you do both? And I think you can, it just, you know, it's just more, more creativity and just actively thinking about it. Yeah, I, I definitely couldn't agree more on all of those fronts. I think the other thing I've noticed when I've thought about this myself is I think it's a different risk appetite. I think women seem to, and again, I'm generalizing, generalizing, but it seems like I love risk. Like I'm a big mm-hmm. risk taker, but I noticed that with a lot of women, they they don't have that same risk appetite, perhaps mm-hmm. as as men do. Again, generalizing, but have you found any of that to be true? Yeah, but you know, I think that's actually why women make better leaders is because mm-hmm. we are more disciplined. We look at risk a little bit differently. So we look at the both the upsides and downsides. So I don't think it's bad to embrace that. We just have to be, yeah. we have to acknowledge that that paradigm exists. And I think for me, when we were creating Canon, it wasn't obvious that I would be the CEO or wasn't, we weren't like thinking about that. But I stepped up into the role because I had a unique background that was more mm-hmm. fit for that. And so I think, you know, women need to just really understand what they bring to the table, the pros yeah. and the cons. And that might help them overcome the risk of the being seen as a failure and the stress and like, you know, family risk, friends risk. Mm-hmm. It is a risky piece, but I do think that women make fantastic leaders. At the end of the day, it's not that risky. I think as being now in the, the CEO seat, you know, I was always going to put the same amount of effort into mm-hmm. whatever I was going to do. And I was just going to get the job done. So being the CEO is no different. You kind of just forget about that and you just get the job done. So it's just perceived risk. It's not real risk. <laughs> As Canon has grown over the past couple of years, have you been able to maintain diverse staff as you expand? Yeah. Diversity is something that's very 
front and center for how we build our team. I think with a startup where you're trying to be lean, you're trying to be really in- intentional about the mm-hmm. people that you're hiring and, and the reality of like being in energy where a lot of the people that have the skill sets that we need tend to be male and yeah. tend to be white. There is this challenge of like, okay, well, there's this candidate that fits that mold and has what we're looking for, but it's another white male. And, and do we add that? And so there is the reality is like, I haven't solved it. Although I'd like to see our team continue to be diverse and even more diverse, there is this tension. But I think what I've realized is that wanting a diverse team requires a lot more intention and work. And so having to go out and be in like women's groups, going to almost like headhunt for those candidates that have the skill sets that we like and that bring a diverse background. You know, just have to be a lot more creative and intentional about our hiring. Otherwise, it's just going to be what is the norm. And if you just do that, then you're going to fall prey to the norm, which is not diverse. And I think by putting in the foundation now, each one of us, each company, it will make things a little easier for the next generation, right? So like you would hope that in five, 10 years, because of the work we're doing now, the industry will get more diverse and we won't have to keep starting from scratch. Yeah, totally. I think we have this unique moment in time right now where we're rebuilding, we're tearing apart and rebuilding the infrastructure of tomorrow, the physical infrastructure of tomorrow, I mean. And in doing that, we have the unique ability to also rebuild the social infrastructure of the world. And so what does a very profitable energy 2.0 company looks like and giving those people the voice and the platform to talk about diversity and to be a role model for others and also to pull people from that community into the space. So everything you're saying is totally on point. Yeah. That's great. I'm really happy to hear that. What advice do you have for people trying to break into the clean energy space? So for my advice for other people getting into the sector is If you have a skill set, just bring it into the sector. There's a lot of needs for all types of skills. So whether it's marketing or business development or engineering or anything that you might be good at or have training, there's probably some role for you Mm -hmm. in the renewable energy sector or the climate tech space. So we're just building an entirely new industry. So I'd say be brave, just get in and just try to find your place and go from there. The industry is really growing. So getting in now is a a great time to to retool and and grow your career. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Thank you so much for your time, Janice. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Greenlight Podcast. Are you looking for your next role in climate tech? Join the latest growing network of clean tech professionals and be the first to know about when industry-leading clean tech companies first post new job openings, from development to finance to marketing, by checking out our website, dylan-green.com slash latest hyphen jobs. Dylan Green is transforming business through talent. You can also find us on YouTube, where we engage with today's top clean energy leaders.